Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to She Podcast. This is the show about podcasting from the women's point of view and also many, many, many other things bazillion of them, actually. And today, my co-host Jess is not here today. It is Rosh Hashanah today, and she is off the grid. And um, But I do have a guest. Stephen Hackett from Relay FM is joining us today. So thank you so much, Stephen. I am so excited to have you. That's the most energetic <laughs> invite I've ever had to be on anything. That was fantastic. <laughs> I want everybody to greet me that way all the time. <laughs> You gotta, you gotta do it, man. When you turn it on, you turn it on. No, Stephen, I am like, honestly, like sweating and super like warm because I am crazy nervous to speak with you. Oh gosh, don't, don't do that. I know, but no, but let me tell you, because now I get to gush a little bit. I get to gush a little bit about you because I've been a huge fan of you and your work and Relay for a long, long, long time. At least one of the people that are in your network has been in my life for the past 13 years. On a weekly basis, since my daughter was less than one year old. Oh, wow. It really is. It's one of those things where I've watched you all come together in so many different ways prior to Relay, after Relay, like all of the different things, how everything has come and I'm just really, really just so, I'm so, ex- I'm so giddy. It is crazy. Look, and I'm representing because I was like, he's yeah. going to be here. I have to like wear my like a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good, that's a good upgrade uh, t-shirt. One of our, one of our shows on the network. That's right. It's one of my faves. And I, I, I always say that every time that I speak about any of the shows, I'm like, that's my favorite show. So at some point, one of your shows has been my favorite show and continues to be my favorite show. So, But I really wanted you to come here today because one of the things that Relay.fm, which is a network for those of you, we can talk a little bit more about this as we move forward in our conversation here together. But one of the things that Relay has done is that they partner with St. Jude's to do a podcast-a-thon, which, right. um, you know, from the perspective of, like, podcasters, I've never seen this before. Do you want to, like, tell us how all of this stuff, like, came together and why? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So my uh, oldest son was a St. Jude patient, like, 12 years ago. Uh, when he was an infant, he was diagnosed with uh, brain cancer, and St. Jude saved his life. Uh, that's a lot of history condensed into just a very short sentence. But what St. Jude does is they treat these kids and they take care of their families and they don't bill them anything. And so our son had countless operations, 18 rounds of chemotherapy. I don't even know how many MRIs and CT scans and x-rays, all this stuff over the course of over a decade now. And they've never billed us. And – You know, here in our country, very often a significant diagnosis like cancer 
can lead to financial ruin. And St. Jude does not want that to happen. They want all of us to live in a world where childhood cancer is cured, is a thing of the past. But until then, they are taking care of these families without billing them. And so several years ago, we started just uh, sort of unofficially, just kind of on our own, uh, raising some money for St. Jude during September. And we, we chose September for two reasons. One, our content is very tech-heavy, and September is iPhone month. In fact, as we're recording this, like three minutes ago, I got the invite for the Apple keynote next week. Oh, my um, gosh. So it's uh it's a very busy month for us. A lot of uh a lot of people just come into relay shows to hear about the new iPhones or whatever. And so we have a lot of audience participation in September, but September is also National Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. So we thought, well, it's perfect, we'll raise some money. But we we're just kind of doing it on the outside. And now three and a half, four years ago or so, I ran into a friend of mine. We went to school together. He works at Allsack, which is St. Jude's fundraising organization. And I said, look, we've had this this wild idea. You know, like the old-time radiothons, you know, where uh, whoever it would be would stay on the air and play music and take calls. Like, We want to do that, but we want to do it with our people and our content and that sort of thing. And, you know, the podcast-a-thon was born. So it's sort of the high point during our campaign every year. And it's this big, this year it'll be eight hours, this big eight-hour live video extravaganza over on Twitch. That's amazing. It's so cool. Like watching you put all of that stuff together, when do you start to prep for it? Uh, The beginning of the year. It it really does take months of planning. Of course, that's been a little complicated by the fact that um, I'm here in Memphis where St. Jude is located, but my partner in Relay, Mike Hurley, lives in London. I don't know if people have noticed there have been some things going on in the world that make travel difficult. Uh, And so that has made the planning a a little more complicated. But uh, this year in particular, we started really early because some of the stuff we have planned, some of the things that will take place during the podcast-a-thon are just above and beyond what we did the first two years. The first year, Mike and I were in person and we were just like, we just – can we do this, right? We did six hours. Will anybody care? Lots of people cared. It did really great. Uh, the second year, Mike had to be in London. I had to be here. So again, the idea was, will it work? Will it work remote? I mean, you know, I mean, we're, being in this industry, there's such energy when you're in the room with your co-host, yeah. right? I, I love recording in person. I love doing live shows. And that's a treat because most of the time I'm just here in my office, right? And so having the ability to bring Mike in, in over video and like we made it as sort of interactive as we could, but it was really different. But last year we raised $100,000 for St. Jude just during the podcast-a-thon itself. So it was a huge success. And this year it's like, okay, we know people care. We know we can do it with Mike remote. So let's just really see what wild ideas come up. And, you know, I think as a lot of creative people know – It's really hard just to like – it's hard for me at least when it's time like, okay, I need an idea. Like that's not how my ideas work. Like for me, I need things to be on the back burner sometimes for a long time and then an idea will come up and we can explore it organically. And so that's one reason we give ourselves nine months to plan this thing because sometimes the ideas don't come You know, if you give yourself six weeks to do something. And so it really is almost a year-round effort now for us. I mean, I feel like we get 
October, November, December off, and then we start St. Jude playing again in the new year. Oh, my gosh. So can you share how much money you've raised in total in the past three years? Yeah, absolutely. So we are, uh, as of this recording, we are a hair shy of $1 million raised. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. That's amazing. It is going to happen today or tomorrow, hopefully today. And that's incredible, right? Like we're just people talking about tech on podcasts and and I know that that y'all have spent time, you know, talking about this. Other people have as well. There's something really special about this medium, right? The relationship between host and listener. To me, there's no greater example of that than people opening their wallets and donating to this cause because we talk about it. Yes, it's personal for me, extremely personal for me. Yeah. But, you know, I run a network with, I don't know, 40 people on it. And all those people are talking about it on their shows. And we have people who aren't even on Relay. And they talk about it as well because this story and this mission impacts people in a way that really few things do. And it's just it's just really special to be a little part of it. Yeah. I think one of the the most uplifting feelings that I get from watching you and everyone around Relay really engage with this one thing is that aspect of it that it came from like a grassroots Mm -hmm. sense of self it's like i really want to participate in this i really feel that this is something i would like to give back or to continue to have saint jude's be able to do that for other children out there is just something we all connect with but i think beyond that is that For me, this campaign really represents what independent podcasters can really do together, where it just came from an idea and a desire to create content. Mm -hmm. And then it was infused from the possibilities of I can that we like you did it together that that you you and Mike and everyone around Relay's team executes on this without permissions, right? That you were able to do this on your own. Yeah. So. Yeah, for, I mean, for years, that's how, how it was. I mean, it started out, I don't even know, probably five or six years ago, I was just writing about it on my blog. You know, it was right. much smaller audience and it was like, hey, let's raise 50 grand. And that was awesome. But what was really cool was when the, the podcast-a-thon was sort of the catalyst to this, this next level that we work at now with this campaign. And we were actually be able to, we were able to come on board as the organization's first podcast partner. Mm-hmm. And... You know, they, I mean, and props to the team. I, I love everyone on the team we get to work with uh, over there because they're just so creative and energetic. But they took a risk. You know, they had been doing some stuff with video gamers and streamers and through a, an organization or sort of a project called St. Jude Play Live. And that's the team that we work with. And, you know, we were really different from video game streamers, right? Podcasts are just ex- this sort of unique thing and they were willing to work with us and so to be kind of that official partner now to be able to use their studio if you've seen a podcast-a-thon and the previous two on relays uh youtube page Mm -hmm. like we're in this giant studio i mean the first time i walked in there like the breath left my lungs because like (laughs) i'm on like a real set i don't get to do that very often you know i know there's some people out there who you know that's their their world but it's not for me and it's like, oh, there's like a control room and camera people and lights. And it was like, this is a big deal. And so for us to be able to do our sort of nerdy content and infuse it with St. Jude's mission, and this year as people will see, 
adding this whole other layer of excitement and I mean we have some just really wacky stuff planned. Blending all that together is something that is I don't know, it means the, the world to us to be able to do it and to raise money for an organization that has I mean they've taken cancer survivor rates in children from 20% to 80% mm-hmm. in less than 60 years. Wow. I mean, it's amazing. And that only happens because, you know, people listening to our shows chip in 20 bucks every year. That's incredible. And seriously, so if anybody would like to particularly, one of the reasons I wanted Stephen on too is that this is a completely different audience. Maybe for St. Jude, Mm -hmm. not so much, but maybe Relay FM folks, simply because, as you know, podcasting has grown so much. There's so many little areas of audience and people who really connect with communities. And the She Podcast community has an opportunity to participate in something like this, which is essentially supporting other podcasters that are doing really wonderful work that maybe you don't really know about. And it might be your first step into what Relay is about, but really, truly at the core, we all really care about the kids and we all really care about the families and being able to have a vibrant healthy individuals out there that have as much support as possible, given the circumstances that they've been given. So if you can, head over to stjude.org slash relay and make your money count. So it's going to be open till September 30th. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, it runs to the end of the month. So the podcast-a-thon is the 17th. And then we have a lot of stuff planned for after the podcast-a-thon. That date, which is kind of where it landed this year. But uh, but yeah, it runs the whole month, and yeah, I feel the same way. Like I, I really want this to get to a point where St. Jude's working with lots of podcasters, and, and and podcasters out in the world work with all sorts of different nonprofits and missions. Right? There's lots of good causes in the world, and and God knows that in 2021, there's lots of places our money could go. St. Jude is what what we've chosen because it's really important to us. But if if anyone out there is listening and they feel inspired, you know, if you have that thing in your life, right? If there, even if it's something local to you, that has made a difference in your life or made a difference in a loved one's life, like use what we're doing as an example that podcasting can be a real force for good. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, for us, it's been St. Jude, but there's lots of other things that people can can go support. And again, we have this relationship with our listeners and. You can lean into that and use that to affect change, and I think that's that's been really cool. It's been it's been a, a good lesson for me and uh, over the years that you know anything that we sort of want to talk about, want to bring to the audience, you know, as long as you're thoughtful about it and you're transparent about it. So for me, it's about talking about my connection with Saint Jude and my son. As long as you're authentic in that, the audience will respond, and that's that's just been fantastic to see. I love it. So much. And then kind of speaking of the the network aspect of it, right? Because I, I feel that you have been able to be, you, when I say with you, I mean everyone in at Relay has been able to do something so incredible when it comes to Relay FM, the network. Mm-hmm. And we often get, or at least I get a lot of questions here in at She Podcast in the community, especially within the, the, the group, that there's a lot of people that are always wanting to build a network. Yeah. And I think that there are two separate questions that come up with that. One of them is that people see that, they kind of start the network with no thought behind it, or they think they're just going to create 10 shows, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just build the 10 shows. And that's going to be its own thing. 
and the challenge of what it really means to kind of run something. And I kind of want to to reverse engineer how how Relay started because there's a lot of, um, you know, you, you all have created content inside of Relay specific, but then you've also had shows join yeah. the network both different ways. How did it begin? Where did it start? What was the first idea? Yeah, so the roots of Relay are really in a, a network that uh, my partner, Mike Hurley, had founded years and years ago. Just and, and he just needed a single website to put a bunch of his different shows on. Mm-hmm. And that was sort of the – I think in those days, his idea was I just need a single place. And it wasn't a cohesive type thing. By the time Relay rolled around in 2014, we had been doing some shows on another network – and we want to do it on our own. And we set out for the beginning to build a network because Mike and I had multiple shows. And we felt like if we had one strong brand that these shows all kind of lived under, that it gave us the ability to expand in some different directions over time. I mean, when we built Relay in 2014, it was for the long haul. You know, we didn't know that we'd both be able to quit our jobs in a year and, and you know, all this stuff that's happened. But we knew that we wanted to build something that could be bigger than just the two of us, right? And now if you look at Relay, Mike and I are still on sort of the core shows, but we work with so many amazing people that most Relay shows don't have Mike or I on them. Most Relay shows are other people. And that's what we wanted to build. And and so the network gave us the tools to do that. Now, I I would say that when we did that in 2014, the world was a different place than it is yeah. now in terms of podcasting, in particular with the tools you can use to, to do that sort of thing. And we can get to some of the workflow stuff, I guess. But for us, we built what we built because there wasn't anything else out there that let us have that goal of working eventually with a wider range of shows and people. One thing that I've really loved in you know the beginning of the foundation has been the streamlined of your brand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where like it's very clear when you go to your website, like right at the top, it says it's an independent podcast network for people who are creative, curious, and maybe a little obsessive, just like its hosts. And I think that there's something really great about that sentence because it really is a reflection of everything that you offer. So it's not like what people might think, which could be something like, it's this is just for the Apple people. Right. Or this is just for the tech people that are really mm-hmm. nerdy. It's It becomes the expansiveness of that statement is a testament to truly the leadership. And it's mm. something that I feel is so important. It's something we talk about with She Podcast a lot, where it's like we call people to us that are a reflection of who we want to be in the world. And in doing so, you're able to call this incredible talent coming on to be part of this network from that clarity. How did that develop for you? That sort of like, what do we stand for? Did you and Mike yeah. sit down and talk about this stuff? Uh, it's been a long time. If I recall, <laughs> and if he gets upset with me that I'm stealing credit, then I'll deal with that. I'm pretty sure I wrote that sentence in the beginning because we needed an about statement on the website. Okay. I wish I could tell you that I wrote that with everything you just said in mind because I, <laughs> because I didn't because yeah, I, right. in the beginning we were very Apple and tech centric and at the core, at least what Mike and I do, it's still very much that. Like I consider myself first and foremost, a technology journalist who covers mostly Apple. Mm-hmm. But 
uh, and you said it so well, what it actually was at the beginning was, hey, we're really curious and sort of obsess over this stuff, and we want to talk about that with people who listen. The four people in mind that I had in mind in 2014 was listeners. Mm -hmm. What that sentence has become is our other, you know, like everyone, right? And so, I mean, just looking at our homepage just at this moment, the top show right now is, is pictorial by our friends Betty and Quinn. And it's a show about art and art history. And I didn't have that in mind in 2014, but it's for people who are creative and curious and obsessive. And it's given us not necessarily a narrow lane to travel through, but sort of – and I don't like this phrase because, like, tech executives use it and I I find it annoying. (laughs) But, like, the North Star, right? Like, I mean, come on. You're killing me. But, like – that's where we want to be, and as long as things fall roughly in line with that, then we're good to go. And so it's let us do things like talk about art, and we have several shows about like uh, productivity, and uh, we have a show about making and design and development, all this stuff, because it all kind of fits under that that category. And so really – we could apply that to almost anything, right? If I, I keep threatening every couple of years, I'm going to do an automotive show. And if we ever did that, well, that would kind of fit in there. It I would think. kind of fit. Yeah. Yeah. No, but it's like, I mean, I think that that's the key to being able to be, I feel, at least for me, as somebody who is, that I listen to not all the shows because that's mm-hmm. too many. Oh, yeah. But a lot of the shows and the way that I've been introduced and go back and forth between them and kind of like test out another one is that the vibe or the type of conversations that are being had are the type of conversations I love to have about anything. So it's the depth of the, I think, the the passion or the the curiosity or the Mm -hmm. enthusiasm the hosts have for the subject matter and the layers of depth. Right. So is something that really draws my attention to it. And it's what keeps me coming back. So when you started, when you both kind of brought your shows together, was there a business plan already in motion here? Or was it like, let's, yeah, did you think we're going to go through this model? This is the business model we're going to go to and let's stick to that. Yeah, that's a, that's a fantastic question because one thing I, I, when I get to talk to people who are starting projects, whether it's through a relay show or, you know, my university I graduated from, whatever, I'm always really careful to point out, like, monetization can kill a creative project. I really believe that because yeah. I have been the victim of that myself, having, like, a project and you try to turn it into a business and it doesn't work and then you get frustrated with the project itself, right? And the creativity loses its spark. One thing that we did do in 2014 is we did have the business plan laid out. You know, this had not been our first run at this. When we were doing shows on 5 by 5 which is a tech podcast network out of Texas, when we were on 5 by 5 we learned a lot about the business of podcasting. Before, when we were doing shows on our own, you know, we had a sponsor here or there, but it was very small, and we didn't know what we were doing. But in learning from Dan and from others, uh, Dan who runs 5 by 5 and others in the industry, we founded the business and we founded an LLC. We found, started a company with the goal in mind to sell sponsorship on the shows and that that sponsorship would pay me and Mike and it would also pay our hosts. 
And we were very fortunate to have some sponsors join very early on. Some of them are still with us now, you know, seven years later. But it took time for that to sort of fill out and to sort of work at scale. Mm -hmm. And the, the bones of what we set in place in 2014 are still there. Just the way that we sell sponsorship, we do it all ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we manage the relationships ourselves. Mike and Carrie, our sales manager, do all of that. And it was very important for us to be very hands-on with it. And I don't think that will ever change. We have evolved it and added on to it over time. But we knew from the beginning that we were going to be pursuing the sponsorship route in terms of, of revenue. I think that that's one of the reasons that I wanted to break it down this way, because I do understand the concept like uh, she podcast also came around in 2014. We didn't really have a business plan because we just it happened. It was one of those things that it was right place, right time. People really enjoyed what we were doing together. And, and it was more community based versus content based. So we don't have like a network in, in terms of the content that we're doing, Mm -hmm. it lives outside of itself. And it kind of grew out and we had to kind of backtrack. We weren't very clear when it came to that. That said, one of the things I love about what you're doing is that there's many different as the space has grown, particularly from 2014, which I feel as somebody who's been around for a while, 2014 to me is one of those years that was a really huge yeah. transition point in podcasting. It's probably mm-hmm. one of like that the first one that turned in. There were so many different things that happened at that time. One of them yep. was you being created, but there was also she podcast as well. Yep. Podcast movement 2014, mm-hmm. serial 2014, yep. iOS 8, what 13 8, was it when it was the uh podcast app that yeah. came so, that yeah, came uh, yeah. With the thing. Th- that's in there. Uh Gimlet Media founded in 2014. Yeah. They launched within weeks of us. I mean, yeah, t- there was a lot going on in 2014. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a big year. It was huge. And so, but but given that, when you started, you chose, like now, so given what I wanted to say is that now in the industry, there are so many different services mm-hmm. that are solving the pain points that you kind of figured out all on your own. <laughs> yeah. Right? I want to know what were the first systems that you created in Relay back then that you thought, this is a system we need to know, we have to have a a workflow? Yeah, really, there were two. One of them remains. The other has been replaced. It is getting ready to be replaced again. But the first thing we needed was a content management system. You know, now you can go sign up for Transistor or, you know, there's a bunch of them where you basically sign up and post your podcast. And all that's fantastic, right? We know all those people. They make great things. That didn't really exist in 2014, at least at the scale it does now. And none of them really had any concept of a network. So there was no like turnkey, I can pay you 30 bucks a month or 100 bucks a month or whatever and build my website and have everything. You could cobble it together, but there was really no like turnkey thing. And so the first thing we did was we bought the core of a content management system and from that core, built out the first Relay website. Uh, that CMS is still with us today. It's called Neon. It has been almost 100% rewritten in the seven years since as we have, as people come on and they have different needs and want to do different things. But we we have our own content management system. Not something I would recommend to people because it is extremely resource intensive from time and money and worry. And 
you know, for a long time, the server would only go down when I was eating dinner with my kids, right? It's like, just <laughs> don't build your own content management system. Find something off the shelf. It, it'll work great. But it has ended up over the years being a good thing for Relay because we can really customize exactly what we're doing. Now we're a network founded by nerds. And so I can go in and like we can make code changes and we have a developer who works on it and we we are willing to put up with that where a lot of people shouldn't put up with that. The other thing we need to deal with was dealing with ad inventory. And that started with a Google spreadsheet and then a couple of Google spreadsheets and then a network of terrifying Google spreadsheets. <laughs> oh, my God. That is, is now in its own advertising management system that a friend of ours wrote. And uh, we're in the process of writing our own now. I don't listen to my own advice about not building your own systems. But not many people have the problems we have of dealing with like 40 show, you know, 40 hosts and, you know, 28 shows or whatever. So so the advertising tracking was something we also had had to build out. Now, we still use Google Sheets for some of that stuff. We have a, uh, an invoicing system we use, but the Google Sheet is sort of always the backstop. And I, I sort of joke sometimes that we call it Mega Sheet. Mega Sheet every year is like the best thing I make for the company because I like, it has all these drop downs and colors change. It does all this math and no one but four people ever see it. And so, you know, my <laughs> legacy is very small. But yeah, we've had, we've, we've built and had, had to expand those systems over time. And we, we've tried other things. You know, we have some stuff that lives in an air table and we may go more that route in the future. I mean, we're always open to new tools that make more sense. But because Relay was always me and Mike, but now it's me and Mike and other people. Being collaborative is always like the top of the list when it comes yeah. to tools that we look at implementing in the company. Like, yeah, it would be great to have all that in Excel sheet because I could do more, even more fancy stuff. But then that's not as collaborative as Google Sheets is. And especially it wasn't in 2014, 2015, 2016. And so we've had to learn that while there are some great tools out there that work really great for individuals – that may not work for a group, and that complicates things too. That's crazy. I don't. I don't even know how y'all manage all of that stuff. And and then the ability, because having to manage, I know for us, because we're going to be coming into an ad here soon. <laughs> managing just the content of the ads in itself brings an, a, a level of like extra that sometimes it's a little overwhelming. What time codes, um, you know, what's the copy? Are they inserted? Like is every, is all of that stuff inside of that one Google sheet for you? Uh, a lot of it is. Uh, like I said, we do have uh, a tracking website that a, fr a friend of ours just built. And so he built it for his needs and gave me a copy of it basically. Oh my God. Uh, and that's kind of where we can go in and book advertisements. That's where the copy lives. And so people know what to read. Because, again, most shows don't have us on it. So it's yeah. Jason or Simone or Tiff or somebody else reading the ads, right? And so I got to make sure they have all the copy. And uh, and so all that lives kind of in that uh, that website our, our, our friend built. You can totally do that all in Google. We did that for a long time. I think now starting from scratch, something like Notion or Airtable may be just easier to manage mm -hmm. where you can have you know links and sub pages and stuff. But whatever tool people choose, the biggest thing is just to stay on top of it. And so our sales manager, Carrie, and our community manager, Kathy, they both have responsibilities in that system to make sure that ads are entered, 
that the amounts are correct, that when we go invoice, that we're invoicing for the right thing, right? There's right. lots of, of that manual work that has to be done. And that's work that, especially when you're a business, but, but even maybe more, especially when you're starting out, you got to get right. You know, you don't want to be sending invoices for the wrong thing, for the wrong amount. That's a great way for sponsors to get annoyed with you. Uh, and, you know, we've had, you know, it, it always happens where you have like the one sponsor that, you know, you make three errors a year and it's always with the one same yeah. sponsor, which is how the world works. Um, but having those systems be reliable and be efficient and having uh, a big thing we believe in is sort of like balance of power. When people pay us, I deal with the invoices on that end, but I don't create the invoices, right? Someone else should do that. So when I get a check in the mail uh, and there's a, an issue with the invoice, there was someone else who created it, right? And so there is multiple checks along the way that when I deposit that money and then later I pay our host that money, that it's all correct. And again, being a network and having multiple people, we've been able to do that. And so having those checks, having a system that works, it takes time. And anytime we find an error or we find a friction point, we do what we can to make that better. And so over the years, we've been able to smooth out, you know, smooth out the rough edges. So you mentioned two people right now. When did you know or when did you take that step where it's like, okay, now these people are going to be here now? Sure. Uh, so Mike quit his job like three months in and I was terrified, but it worked out. And then uh, I was like, I mean, I guess you may be homeless in London. I don't know. <laughs> but Relay saw a huge growth at that point. Uh, we then uh, – I, I left my job about a year later. Again, I was terrified. But again, the company really grew. And that's when we added membership, which I do want to talk about. And then we – about a year after that maybe, the, uh, you know, seven years gets compressed in yeah, hindsight. totally. But it was a couple years in. We we really just wanted help with some of the administrative type stuff. It was a, a thing where we interviewed a bunch of people – Maybe you've had this experience or I'm sure people in the audience have had this experience when you hire somebody and they just are so more capable than the little role you had planned for them. <laughs> yes. And so we hired Carrie really to be sort of an administrative person, uh -huh. right? Help with emails, help with all this tracking. And she was like, hey, I'm interested in sales. She basically instantly outsold any advertising sales I'd ever done because I'm really bad at it. And she has grown into our sales manager and has taken over so much of our business in terms of that that back office stuff. And she has been incredible at it. A kind of a similar thing happened about two years ago where there were things that I thought, hey, it would be great to have someone help me with some administrative stuff. And so Kathy joined us. And Kathy has been an incredible addition to the team. She's still doing a lot of the administrative stuff. She has a lot of background in bookkeeping and that sort of thing, which I don't. Like, I just learned it, right, by making right. mistakes and our accountant telling me I made mistakes. <laughs> but – and she is now our, our community manager where she is uh, responsible for uh, a lot of the stuff we do with our members as well. And so – Really, we've been very fortunate people coming into roles and then really just being able to take their gifts and talents and their abilities and build roles around them. And it's been great. You know, the company's much better for having them involved every day. 
It's really amazing because you're, you're right. There's something about the team members coming in that really makes it like, Oh my gosh, you could totally do this. This would be amazing. Yeah. And, and now speaking into, I think what it would really merits diversification of a business, particularly in podcasting, right? So your core offering is essentially your podcast. That's like the, that was like the first thing. The content that you are creating is one mm-hmm. of the only things that you can create. Nobody else can really do that. I mean, obviously in the hosts. And therefore, you are selling advertising on them, and that's how you're making some money. But then yeah. you started to expand into a membership type thing. And where did that start to come from? The first version of our membership launched in 2015. It was the first thing that I did actually when I quit my job and worked full-time for Relay. I was like, oh, do a membership. And mm. it was very simple. There were a couple different tiers. And you got like a newsletter and a couple of member-only podcasts. And it, it was good. I mean, people joined. We did – we ended up doing these annual specials. So every year, members got these like wacky one-off shows. Uh, and it was a lot of fun. But in the beginning of 2020, when things really hit the fan, we'd already been talking about our desire to grow the membership into a, a meaningful part of company revenue. At that time, membership was a single percentage in terms of revenue in every year. With COVID and the pandemic and the economic uncertainty, we, like everyone else in the industry, saw advertisers freeze budgets, saw advertisers pull out. And we were really concerned that we're not going to weather this. I mean, mm. we didn't know then that it was going to be you know, going on a year and a half and still happening. Right. But we just didn't know. No one knew. We underwent about a six to eight week project to completely overhaul our membership program. And that was in conjunction with our partner, Memberful, uh, who we use for our membership stuff. And they're, they're absolutely fantastic. We have a very good relationship with them. And they had a feature that was coming out to do podcast feeds locked to a membership. So before mm-hmm. our membership podcasts were basically security through obscurity, right? The yep. feed was like hard to find, but, then it got shared on Reddit all the time. Piracy was out of control. And oh Memberful God. was like, uh, we're going to build this in a way where like someone stops paying, they stop getting bonus content. It's like, yeah. that gives us the security we need to really do what we want to do. And so the the sort of the relaunched membership has uh, a community discord, which I think is the heart of the membership now. I did not expect that two years ago or I guess a year and a half ago. I didn't expect it to be the first thing I look at on my phone every morning, but it is. Mm-hmm. And I love that community. And it's just a fraction of our members. It's totally optional. But the people who are in there are just some of the best people I've I've ever met on the internet. But we're also doing a selection of our shows, and, and hosts can opt into this if they want. And several I have, and some are planning to later, uh, ad-free, longer versions of their shows. And we can deliver that through Memberful securely. And so while an episode of Upgrade – Maybe 90 minutes, you know, upgrade plus maybe, you know, 120 minutes. And so there's some extra content at the end and there's no ads and you kind of get sort of a more behind the scenes vibe. And that has been incredibly successful. I mean, to the point where I'm hoping within the next 18 months or so that membership and advertising is like 50-50 revenue for our company. So good. And and that's what we want. We we want to be less dependent on sponsors. We love our sponsors. We have good relationships with all of them. But we recognize that long term, like long term, like the next decade of relay, 
is going to be much more centered around the membership and our membership offerings. And sponsorship will always be there. But even if things happen with sponsors or, or the industry on a whole, we want to still be able to make this content. And members have given us the freedom to do that. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I was really afraid in April of last year that Relay was going to go under and I wouldn't be able to find a job, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, I got three kids. And like, what is going to happen? And the membership has taken away that fear for Mike and I and our hosts that no matter what else happens in the world, that there is this base of membership that can sustain sustain us. And it's been, it's been just an amazing and humbling experience to have people join in such numbers. I, I'm, yeah, 100%. I've, you know, I thought about that a lot, obviously, as 2020 started, we kind of did a little bit of a pivot that way as well. We've gotten, we've taken a hit really huge, but mostly because both Jess and I'm not 100%. I mean, I'm not, I don't quit my job and work for She Podcast specifically, but we went through the same thing. We started to, we've build memberships and our biggest money maker was a live conference like mm-hmm. she podcast live was like the biggest thing obviously we just did that in 2019 and we had to pivot and pivot and pivot again and it's been very scary in so many yeah. different ways so i completely understand but i think one thing that i want to clear especially for people who are listening is that one of the reasons that i believe you were able to do this so well is because you had invested so much time and attention and care to the community already, meaning mm. the communications that you do on social media, the way that you speak to your people, right? When they email the show, where you address things online, and just the care in which has already been there. I've always felt like I was part Mm. of Relay in some way, shape, Mm. or form, even though I am not part of your community, simply because bandwidth times for me is just uh, not not another one. I I manage one and I'm like, (laughs) I don't want any more communities. But I feel like I'm part of it, even if I'm just listening. Yeah. And therefore, when we can provide that kind of value to those that give us so much, we'll just step in and- Mm -hmm. So I'm sharing this with those listening because there is um, there's a difference between a, a monetization model, a business plan, and your ability to actually make it work. <laughs> yeah. Because yes, advertising is a way to make money in podcasting. Membership is a way to make money in podcasting. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean if you do these things, you're gonna make money in podcasting. Right. And that's really what I what I meant earlier when I said that if you do it too soon or on the wrong project, it can go south. You know, for us, and I, you know, I tell people this and I get some of those people roll their eyes, but it really is true. In 2015, we launched our membership 1.0. I was getting emails and comments from people wanting to support us directly. And we just had no mechanism for that. And I think in the beginning, it was sort of that core group of Relay listeners. We were a year and a half old at that point. But one thing that I think we have worked really hard at, and I give all the credit to our hosts, is relay shows and relay the company and the network, right? The community we have internally is very outward facing. And by that, I mean, we have this like relay community that we have, like Jason and Mike and 
Federico and, and all of us, like we're all really close friends and you can see that and hear that in our shows and what we do. Mm-hmm. And not in some sense that it was some scheme I had seven years ago to be like, we're going to build a company on friendship, right? Like, a lot of people tell you that's a bad idea, but that's just how it happened. And, you know, it was Mike's best man, his wedding two years ago. And our relationships just bleed into the shows and, and the community has formed around that. And it's incredible. Like, I mean, the the number one thing I have missed during the pandemic is our live shows going out. We, you know... Mm. We did. We've done a couple tours. I was actually getting ready to sign like a multi-city string of shows for the summer of 2020. Thankfully, I hadn't signed those contracts yet with theaters uh, when everything happened. But the reason I miss those is because I love getting out and like talking to people, listening to shows, and seeing what they think, and talking about these things we talk about. And I just. It goes back to the statement, right, that we're interested in, and curious about this stuff, and that means we want to talk about it with whoever will listen. We've lost some of that during the pandemic, but through the membership Discord in particular, we've gained so much, too. And so I check it first thing in the morning, not because I'm worried that something you know, has happened. A, we have a very well-behaved community. We have good rules that we've put together, and people follow them. Also, we have an awesome moderation team that handles a lot of frontline stuff. But I want to be in there because I want to talk with the, with my friends about whatever's going on, right? Like, you know, the Apple thing that got announced just today, like, I'm sure people are talking about it. And after we're done, I'm going to go see what's up, you know, shoot the breeze for a while. And I truly enjoy that. Our hosts truly enjoy that. And so to turn that into part of our business model, it's kind of weird. And like, you have to understand, you know, the relationships and that sort of thing. But at the same time, it has been so successful because that's just who we are and what we want to do. To open the door and say, hey, we're going to do membership. It's going to bring these things. It was just a natural extension of what we were doing. And so I think that's been why it's been so well received. Absolutely. 100%. And um, just to not let our our sponsor go down, <laughs> by the wayside here, we do have a sponsor in this episode. It is Amazon Music. I don't know, Stephen, if you've had an opportunity to kind of play with Amazon Music yeah. or podcasters in there, but... John, if you want to put on the the little video I made. So here, this is the iPad app, right? So they have this, it's super beautifully laid out. And they also have, I like how they have in there, like, because you listen to the feed, which is my other show. She podcasts is like the first one to listen to, which is, of course, right? Because it's me. But um, but you can you could see that they kind of allow you to look at all these other shows that have nothing to do with my show. But one thing that I love about the Amazon Music app specifically for podcasts is the way – look at the show notes. Are they not gorgeous? They are so beautifully laid out. I know you all have nice show notes too. But this is one of my favorite things. When you share it directly from Amazon Music – um, it, you can put it inside of your Instagram stories. And then when you add it to Instagram, on the top left-hand side, there's a little button in there that if somebody has Amazon Music on their show, I mean, on their phone or whatever device, you tap it and it automatically opens it up. So um, please, please put your podcast. If you are a podcaster and you're not on Amazon Music, what are you waiting for? Get over to podcasters.amazon.com and add your show to there. And it goes directly to Amazon Music as well as um, uh, Audible. Audible as well. Audible doesn't have the show notes as good as amazon music does so y'all need to get on that get on it but (laughs) it's get on it but 
It is so great to be able to have both of my shows in there because it's a lot more audience. But thank you, Amazon Music, so much for supporting She Podcasts. And get your show in there. Thanks, Thanks, Amazon. Yay, Amazon. Okay, so I want to talk really quickly about um, this new, uh, this Clara question that we have in here because she's one of our Super Squad members. She had this question for me and I thought, oh my gosh, Stephen Hackett is coming on the show. (laughs) He can answer this question with me because this is the kind of stuff I love to answer, but I'd love your thoughts. So Clara asks, my question is about file management. Do you have thoughts and be- on best practices about what to keep, for example? Do you keep the WAV file with all the ums and throat clearings and belches and everything? <laughs> Do you save the edited WAV file? Do you keep only the MP3 that's exported? Mm. And then what is your name and cataloging system so that when you do need to go back and find something like a blooper, you have a way to put your hands on that file? Oh, that, my God. So that's much. some great questions. And you have uh, two, I, minutes I would, <laughs> two minutes to answer. Two minutes to answer. I would say that it, this is a little dependent on the type of content you're making for us. And this is how I see things is most of the shows I'm on, at least, are fairly topical. So an episode of Connected, which covers Apple, a couple weeks shelf life, right? N- no one is probably listening to an episode we did when the iPhone you know, 7 came out. If you are, I love you, but don't do that. Spend your time elsewhere. Um, and, and so most of our shows get listened to pretty quickly. And so I tend to only keep the edit. So the lot I edit in logic, I only tend to keep the logic project, logic project, say that three times fast, logic project and the way files, uh, from all our recordings, I tend to only keep those for about a week or so. And then I get, I get rid of them. I don't keep them long-term one, the storage needs would be out of control. And two, if I have an error or I need to go in and you know fix something in the edit, usually I know within the first 24 hours. If it's egregious, sometimes I know – you know if it's an hour in, I'll know in the first hour. A lot of our audience listens as soon as the shows come out. But I keep things about a week. In that week, they are captured by my backup system. So I do have them you know, in Time Machine and Backblaze and everything if I really need to get, get back to them. Um, and so at that point, I don't have anything from the episode – uh, except what we published in the feed on the website. And I mm. do have – I make local backups of our content management system every every morning at 1 o'clock in the morning. My computer wakes up, pulls down anything new from Relay and files it away for me. And so I do have every MP3 we've ever published. I have the complete collection of all of our show notes we've ever published locally and on the website. And for me, trying to find something later – uh, the show notes are the best way to do that, where if if we talk about something and in the moment it feels like it could be a special deal, I, I just include it in the show notes. Uh, there have been times, though, where I just like I go on Twitter and be like, hey, I know two years ago this came up on Connected. Can someone find it? And usually someone finds it like that. I don't know how they do it. I'm a little concerned <laughs> how quick it is sometimes. Uh, but it can be hard, especially, you know, we've got seven years of history now. It can be hard to find the needle in the haystack. But that's sort of the way that I handle it. The WAV files come in one end, I edit them in Logic, and MP3 comes out, and then about a week later, it's all off my local system. That's fairly simple. Clara, you have a show that is not... So she has three separate podcasts. One's a yoga podcast. The other one is a an, a monologue, an actor's monologue. So she teaches um, high schoolers how to prepare their monologues for when they're applying to go to 
college. So it's a very specific type of monologue uh, podcast. And the third mm-hmm. one is in, uh, it's like an audio drama creative thing. So I would say to you that f- from Stephen's suggestions to make sure that you're out, I think the owl, the one that's owl something or other, Clara, have some of that a little bit better, more backed up because that one has a lot more stuff that you can possibly yeah. iterate on. It's like storytelling. You can create the different products from it mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. And I think that can grow. It has legs. Um, actually, all of your shows, maybe not the um, monologue one as much simply because I think things change when it comes to colleges that there might be a little bit more updating and things like that. But the yoga one, you know, I have that yoga podcast that's still getting down, like over 100 downloads per day, simply because people are doing my classes over and over and over again. And I wish I had the the raw files for those because I, I yeah. don't. And those I think I could have now with the knowledge that I've acquired. I could repurpose <laughs> that crappy audio <laughs> and make it sound better. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, yeah, if, if you're doing interviews or you have a lot of that sort of source content, I would say find a way to keep all of that because it can definitely be useful later. And so on occasion, I'll have a tech executive of one of my shows. That's an exception where I keep the whole thing. I usually just zip it up and stick it somewhere. And, and so if I want to get something out of that interview later on, then I have it available. So yeah, think about your content, think about your future needs and uh, adjust accordingly, I think. Yep. Perfect. Well, Stephen, I don't want to keep you any longer. Um, so we're going to wrap it up, even though I have lots of other things to talk about. But hey, you know, another I'll come time. back and hang out anytime, anytime. Another time. That would be amazing. But why don't you let us know where people can connect with you and Relay? Yeah, absolutely. So all of our shows are on our website, Relay.fm. And uh, you can find me online. You can find me on Twitter as ISMH. Uh, I'm always happy to talk about podcasting on Twitter. So, uh, so hit me up. And uh, if you want to donate to St. Jude, it's stjude.org slash relay, and we would really appreciate it. That would be amazing. And folks, uh, She Podcast Live is coming up in October. And Jessica mentioned, I don't know if we mentioned this last week, but it seems like the room block is selling out. So if you do need to get those rooms, you need to get them like right away. I, I believe September 13th is when the price goes up. So you'll get it cheaper by then. Go ahead and get your ticket. Again, we are keeping She Podcast Live very intimate, very small. It's going to be an incredible experience already for us to go out there. I mean, I know it's going to take a lot for a lot of us, but then I see that there's people buying tiaras and pajamas. We're having a pajama party, Stephen Hanke. Awesome. We're having a pajama party. That's how we roll. <laughs> so, I like it. Where everybody's sharing their pajamas that they're buying. To go to She Podcast Live. Um, so that's coming up. And of course, you can always connect with us over at She Podcast in all the different places, especially our Facebook group. Um, I think that that's it, y'all. We'll be here next week. And thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>